0: Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of Yahweh. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The result is this, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This psalm presents to us as the opening psalm of the entire Psalter, two ways to live. And it shows us very starkly where these two ways go. One way will not stand in judgment. It's like a leaf that is blown around. The other way finds roots. It finds its ability to stand in judgment because it has substance and quality. Wind is not going to knock it over. So one path gives us substance. It gives us solidity. It makes us real. The other path hollows us out. It makes us airy and light and fluffy. There's no substance, no solidity. The way of one path is presented to us as the man or the woman who loves, delights, enjoys, seeks out the law of Yahweh. Now, we sometimes, as New Testament believers, as Christians, don't always hear the word law and think, oh, it's a good thing, because Paul tells us how the law kills. But we must remember that what Paul's doing is he's trying to convince Christians who are being persuaded by some Jews that they must keep certain aspects of the Jewish way of life in order to be a legit Christian. He's warning them that they don't have to do those things. In other words, being a legitimate Christian does not mean adhering to Jewish customs. That's what he means when he's talking about the law. And in addition, we should understand that the law does not save you. However, the Jews saw the law as God's perfect way of life. In fact, we translate the word law. Uh, it's the word Torah in the Hebrew and Torah means instruction, or it means way, too. It's a way of life. It's an instruction. It's supposed to teach us and guide us. That's the idea of the Torah. So sometimes when we use the word law, it, uh, he, his delight is on the law of Yahweh, it doesn't quite resonate with us. But if you read it saying his delight is on the instruction of Yahweh, Now we realize that we're to meditate upon the lessons our teacher has given us. And these lessons, these instructions are about getting us on the right path. Because we are on the path of leaves that wither, of lives that don't last. We're in the cursed and fallen world. The Psalms know that but they also recognize the Creator. That when God made everything in Genesis chapter 1, he uses the word blessed. It says that he blessed his creatures when he made them. And the psalm opens with, blessed is the man who doesn't choose the path of withering, of not standing, of blowing away like chaff on the Day of Judgment, but is the man who does choose the path of delighting on the instruction of Yahweh and meditating on this instruction day and night. That's the path. It's the instruction to get us to the path back to Eden, the path back to what God has always intended for us, blessing, not curse. So, how do we meditate on the instruction of God? That's what I want to leave you with. And this is something that I do often, and I've taught my students how to do this as well. Um, I like to call it rip. It's been it's, there's been different versions of talking about this, but I like I like to talk about ripping. The passage, not literally ripping it to shreds, but ripping into it, getting into it. Sometimes we let our eyes glance over the page of scripture and we call that reading the Bible, but we don't always let the Bible read us. And I believe that meditation is a wonderful way to let the Bible read us, to let God look into our lives. Now some of us are scared of the word meditation because of Eastern religions, understandable, Christianity has dropped the ball when it comes to meditating. We don't teach our uh, we don't teach each other how to meditate anymore, probably because of a fear of Eastern mysticism or religion but it's right here in the Bible. He will meditate on his instruction day and night and even uh, the Puritans who we often consider as some of like you know the purest Christians of history um that were doctrinally right on and they were but even they talked about meditating and contemplating scripture and God. In fact, Jonathan Edwards said that meditation is the bridge between reading scripture and prayer. So you read and you meditate and you pray that these link together through meditation. So, I want to talk about that. How do we how do we do that? How do we meditate on God's word. Oh, and before I forget, also, um, the word meditation, to see it in a biblical sense, uh, It the word is also used in Isaiah chapter 31, verse four. And there in Isaiah 31, four, it uses the word meditate to describe a young lion growling over its prey. Is that not amazing? The lion over the zebra, as he's eating it as he's working into it as he's as he's digesting the zebra, the lion is meditating the zebra, and that is what we are to do with God's instruction day and night the psalm says we're to be like lions over our prey or maybe closer to at home rather than the african sahara um or yeah whatever um is a dog over its bone? We've all seen a dog chewing a toy, chewing a bone. The way it worries over it, right? And it will sometimes bury it, and it will go find it, and it will it will just gnaw on that thing all day long till it's destroyed. That is what meditation looks like. So, how do we do this? Like I said, I call it ripping scripture. It's an it's an uh, an acronym R I P P. Rip. So first R, we Read. You got to read the Bible. So you read scripture. But it's important to recognize that this isn't just reading in the way you read, say, the news. You're not just getting information into you. You're not just letting words uh, dart past your eyes. You're reading it to be read. You're reading the words with an ear out for what they may speak. You see, we're guilty often of reading the word of God and wanting to know the word of God. But what we fail sometimes to realize is that underneath the word of God is the voice of God. And that's what we read the word of God to get at, is his voice. So beneath the words of God is the voice of God. So when I read the Word of God, I want to make sure I'm reading to allow the voice to speak. I'm listening as I read. Sometimes you may need to read very slowly. Sometimes you need to read the passage a few times. Sometimes you need large chunks of scripture because nothing's happening. Sometimes all you need is a single verse. But you read. Second, I. R. I. Impressions. As you read, or when you're done reading, sit with the text, and the question here is, what does God want to say to me in this text? So I've read the text, what does the text say, and what's it possibly saying back to me? Then I go into i impression, and this is where you allow the parts of the text that have somehow hit you somehow stuck out at you, and you sit with them in meditation impressions so I read Psalm 1 and I'll close my eyes and I'll make sure my mind gets calm that I'm not thinking about the things I need to do today or the email that just chimed on my phone or whatever, or my hunger. I'm just trying to be still before God. And there's now certain parts of the passage that are sticking out to me. Those are the impressions It's left a mark on you. Sit with those. God, what are you saying through these? Let him speak. I like to take a long time at this point because it seems that the fruit of scripture, that the voice behind the word of God comes most to life in this moment. Sometimes if you're in um, like the Gospels, a passage where it's, it's more like a story, it's starting to visualize the passage. What am I seeing, smelling, hearing, tasting? It's trying to just really get immersed into it. And then, like Jonathan Edwards said, meditation is the bridge between reading scripture and praying with God. Now that I've read R, now that I've sat with the impressions I, I'm now going to P, pray. R-I-P, pray. So this is where I get to speak to God. I've read the scripture. I've sat with the impressions. I've listened to his voice. And now I get to respond. And see what I love about this is so many times prayer is about me initiating something with God. It's, God, this is happening. God, help me here. And of course, this totally fine. Prayer is there as it's like the red phone, right? To the president. This is us to God. We get to do these things. We can pick up the phone and he answers. He hears us. So yes, those prayers are fine. But There are times when I want my prayer not to be just an emergency cry out to him. I want it to be a response to what God has initiated, right? So the scripture is him speaking first. Me sitting with the impressions is letting him speak to me first. Now in prayer, I get to respond to God. I get to answer God And so now there's real dialogue happening. And God is bringing me to his table. So that's prayer. Here, um, some of us like to pray, and that's it. Some of us also like to journal. I count journaling as part of prayer. Some people like to, yeah, I mean, sometimes I like to extend my prayer time into a journal, just kind of writing the things out and letting it sit in a little bit longer. Then finally is the last P. So you read, you sit with the impressions, you pray, And then finally you practice. This is where you've gone through this scripture meditation and prayer for something. So how is this going to work out in your life? How are you going to live this out? How do you practice this? Um, Part of prayer can be visualize, like God might put somebody on your heart and you know that you need to start saying this to this person or you need to do this or you need to go make a to-do list about that. Sometimes urgency happens. And so now, yes, go get up and do that. Sometimes it's very general. You you are just meditating on the fact of loving others. And so, yeah, you can visualize people to love, ways to love them. But sometimes it's just God's reminding you um, to be more patient. All right, I'm going to today, I'm going to seek. Because now that you've been engaged with him in prayer about this and he's spoken to you, you're now going to walk into your life with an awareness that God today is going to give me opportunities to be patient. And so when those opportunities come, I can thank him for them rather than <laughs> say, "Oh my goodness, seriously, this now why um so yeah, the last piece, go practice, go live it out so that's uh that's the way I like to meditate, to gnaw on, to growl over the law, the instruction of Yahweh, and this is the way we choose the path of substance, the path of the toward blessing uh, that's that's how you can do it. So, I hope this has been helpful. Um of course, you can leave comments and um I can reply to those um or other ways that you find it helpful or things that stick out to you. What sticks out to you in Psalm chapter 1? Is a great way for us to stay connected and to communicate and keep Christ at the center as um we live in this time of being alone together, right? So, keeping the body of Christ, keep praying, keep I'm uh, loving Jesus, reading the scriptures and uh I'll see you guys soon.